Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. We have an amazing hard rock band coming on tonight called Linum. These guys are awesome. I've been a fan of them for a long time since their initial single that I recall hearing on Sirius XM Octane titled Save Your Soul. So David Linham, the drummer of the band, is going to be joining us momentarily. Before I bring him on, just want to introduce everyone to my show if you're new and you're tuning in tonight. Uh, Linham is going to be one of the amazing bands that I've had the honor and have been fortunate to interview, um, which are joining the lineup to include bands such as Boba Flex, Gemini Syndrome, Soil, I Empire, Otherwise, Eve to Adam, Raw, Art of Dying, Royal Bliss, and the list goes on. So please check out the podcast and support these bands on my show, as well as all the other artists. I interview everyone from musicians to comedians to filmmakers and a lot of different people involved in the entertainment industry. So a little bit about... Sorry about that, a little technical difficulty. A little bit about myself and my background. Um, I have a doctorate degree in clinical psychology, and one of the things I really enjoy doing is interviewing people in my profession. The other passion I have is the entertainment industry, and I decided to create a radio show. Um, I have an album out as a solo artist. I also do some writing for some magazines. And then I really wanted to combine my two backgrounds and my passions to create a forum where I could bring people on to help support them and promote them. Personally, I know how difficult it can be and challenging, especially when you're an independent person and you're doing everything on your own. And I'm sure David Linham tonight can talk a little bit about his history and background. I did a bunch of research on these guys. So the one thing I really try to create with my show is a new and different type of interview. I'm not just going to be throwing out cookie-cutter questions. You're really going to walk away getting a good taste of, of what these people's lives are like, what it's like to be in the profession, and learn about who they are as people. Um, a couple of things I ask people to please keep in mind is that although I mentioned I am a clinical psychologist, my show is purely meant for entertainment purposes, and uh, I do want my guests to feel grounded and, and like they can talk about whatever they'd like, but if they're going to talk about any potentially humiliating or embarrassing stories, to just please keep any identifying information anonymous. I am a huge fan of comedy. I have a great sense of humor, so please you know, use the show to share some interesting stories, too. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. You can also dial in at 805-243-1320. So let me tell you a little bit about Linum to introduce you to them, and then we will bring David on the air. So Linum is based at Birmingham, Alabama. And um, this band has been around for a while. They've been around for approximately 13 years now. The band has found that combines, you know, some music from the 80s, Guns N' Roses style, but I would say personally this band is very unique, very original. They have a sound that is all their own. You're really going to get a cool taste of what some different music is like. These guys are not trying to copy. The band is open for bands such as Saliva, Fuel, Puddle of Mud, 18 Visions, Hinder, and Live, to name a few. They have six albums out. Uh, they're currently on their sixth one right now, which is titled, I'm sorry, actually seven albums. This one is Halfway to Hell. The albums that they had prior to that included White Trash Superstar, Bling Bling, and Life in Reverse. These guys have had numerous hit singles off of their albums, such as Slave to Machine, which was the single Tannis, which went to number one on both the active rock, independent, and mainstream charts. And also off of their album Tragic City Symphony, the band released singles such as Save My Soul, Lindsay Says, and Porn Star. The band has also had music featured in motion pictures, MTV, VH1, HBO, and video games, and they released a live album titled Thank You, Good Night, which was released in 2010. So tonight we're talking about Halfway to Hell. It's an amazing six-song EP, and I read that they are planning to eventually put out a full length uh, to create a full length with this album. And so for more information, visit these guys at linamusic.com. I also want to do a special thanks to Doug Weber from New Ocean Media. I've worked on um, many bands to book on my show through him, and he's a great person to work with and just an amazing company. So, without further ado, let's bring David on. Hey, how you hey, doing? Hey, David, how are you? Good, welcome. Let me help you awesome. out. Welcome to the show. 
Let me help What's you that? out with the pronunciation. Let me help you out with the pronunciation Uh-oh. of the band. It's Go called, ahead. It's, no, and don't feel bad because everybody butchers it. And it gets misspelled a lot of places we play, too, but it's pronounced Linum. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Everybody does Okay. That. I totally don't. I, I will so make sure throughout the interview. <laughs> I'll make sure throughout <laughs> the interview I, uh, I'm cognizant of that and I pay attention. I really apologize about that. But the music uh, no speaks for itself. Cool. Just real quick, it's a little, I don't know where you're at, but it just seems like the connection's a little off. Okay, hold on a second. You there? I can correct that. Okay. Yeah. It just yes, kind of fading in and fading out. Okay, cool. There, there you go. You Okay, so welcome to the show. Again, I apologize uh, sincerely about uh, mispronouncing the name of the band. It's totally no big deal. <laughs> cool. All right, so, yeah, I'd like to really take my, my guest audience on a, a cool journey to learn about, you know, not just the band, but just who you guys are as people. So why don't we start out a little bit about you, just tell me about your background, you know, where did you grow up, um, you know, what were you like as a kid? What were some of the things that you were interested in doing? And then we'll start transitioning, you know, into kind of like a timeline of uh, how you got into music. Well, it's obvious from listening to our music that we grew up with, uh, you know, that we are products of the children of the 80s. We grew up, right. you know, when we were really young, we grew up with our parents just listening to country, 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 and it was just pounded into our head. Then when we got to be, you know, 10, 12 years old, we discovered, you know, hair metal. And that was with us a lot, and it's still to this day. I think you hear a lot of when you hear a hint of country music in our stuff, but it's it's mostly that we're just a product of everything we grew up with. And and I've said this before. I think we just we imitate all the music we grew up loving, and in the process of doing that, you can't you know you can't mimic things perfectly, and so you kind of develop your own style in in the process of mimicking your heroes so i just think that's what sure. we are we we obviously are a guitar driven band and we just we really call our music big dumb rock there's really nothing complicated about it well i'm sorry what do you usually call it big dumb rock big dumb rock just okay big, yeah big dumb four four rock there's no there's right there's nothing complicated about it well, and, and, and again, it's amazing music, and we're going to talk a lot of it about the style, like you said, the influences you guys have. Where did you um, Where did you personally grow up? Were you also in Birmingham, Alabama? Yeah, but I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. Our bass player, uh, Mark, was, he grew up in Lizard Lick, North Carolina, where that Lizard Lick towing show is filmed out of. <laughs> That's where he grew up. Okay. And and he's, he, he's an import, though. He moved down to Alabama, I don't know, about two, eight to ten years before we started this band and Jacob was born in in Birmingham Alabama and he kind of moved around the country growing up but he's always considered Birmingham home and of course Lonnie our guitar player lives in Los Angeles and he's a he's one of those weird Los Angeles people right right so just as a kid what were you like growing up you know what were some of your interests what were you like as a kid in school you know just Tell us on some, on some interesting things about yourself, and then we'll talk about, of course, how you guys all met and formed Lenham, et cetera. I was a really bashful kid up until about 12. My father passed away, and after my father passed away, I transformed into a, an obnoxious, obnoxious loud kid. And my first concert okay. was my first concert was Beastie Boys' License to Ill. And oddly enough, at that same show, I didn't know it back then because I didn't know Jacob back then, but Jacob's first concert ever was Beastie Boys' License to Ill Tour as well. So I can vividly remember going home from from that show and having to burn all my tapes and posters of Beastie Boys because there was some pretty vulgar stuff going on at that show. For someone my age, I, I think I was around 10 years old going to a Beastie Boys' License to Ill. You can imagine the language and the and the, all the stuff that was going on there for for a little right. toddler. <laughs> wow. So, and, and who started to get you interested in music? I mean, was there anyone in your family that inspired you? Was it just hanging out? With no, I mean, I, I grew music? up in a family that had that has no musical background. Jacob, of course, lived, he breathed and sleeped music growing up. I mean, he sat in his bedroom throughout high school and never left his room playing his guitar. And you can hear that and the way he plays now, and he can play any instrument you hand him. But I'm really just a hack that got lucky, that met the right guy, got in the right band. I'm just really, I don't have a long history of 
music. I, I didn't even start playing until I was 21. I'm 38 now. So oh, wow. I, I didn't even start playing until, you know, I picked an instrument that's really, I'm not even really considered a musician. I, I hang out with musicians, but I'm just the drummer. Um, I'm not even considered the no, drummer. You're not. Even, they call me the mascot. <laughs> no, you're not. You're just as talented as everyone else. Don't be so modest. <laughs> you there? Hello? Oh, okay. Looks like for some reason he dropped. So let's see. Hopefully he will be calling back in in a moment. I can also just uh, send him an email, too, just to make sure he is there. It looks like he had some technical difficulties with, with his connection. But if you're tuning in right now, you are listening to David Linham, and he is at Linham. Sorry, Linham. Uh, from the rock band Linum, and we're interviewing them tonight to promote their new album, which is titled Halfway to Hell. We're going to feature some of the singles off of it. And for more information, you guys can also um, visit them at uh, linummusic.com. So while we're waiting for him to call back in, I'm just going to send him a quick message uh, just to let him know that his call was dropped. Um, All right. So, as I mentioned, these guys have been around for a while. They've been around for at least 13 years now, and here he is. He called just right back in. Okay. All right. You there, David? You, you there? Hello? Yeah. Here. Is it just is it where you're is it where you're located that the connection's a little funky? David? Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay. No, is are you? Is it just the connection where you're located? Yeah, I'm out in the middle of nowhere doing this interview. Actually, <laughs> I'm out in the middle of Nowhereville, Alabama. But I think my, I, I was down in a valley, and I'm I'm up, up 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 on a hill now, so it should be better. Okay, that's okay. Nope, I just you know I did some plugs for you guys, and we'll just we'll just go with the flow. You know, we do the best that we can. Um, so as you were saying, I, I mean, I wouldn't kind of knock yourself to say you're you're just kind of in a band and stuff. You're an amazing musician. All of you guys are extremely talented. So how did you, you know, get interested in playing drums? Like you said, you started a little later in life. Um, what inspired you to pick up some sticks and start playing the drums? I think it was just, uh, I remember always having hairbrushes in my hand and air drum. Matter of fact, you know what? I'm a better air drummer than I am a real drummer. Oh, stop. It's serious about <laughs> drumming. I, I, I could probably smoke anybody off the stage with air drumming. And I, I even from time to time get into air drumming contests when they have them on these cruises we play from time to time. They'll have air drumming contests. And I, I'm telling That's you, I, funny. I kill on air drums because I was an air drummer far long before I was a real drummer. But I, I don't know what. Okay. I, I, just, I, I guess it was just uh, uh, the, the easiest instrument for me to gravitate towards. I've never even held a guitar. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to play piano. So it's just a, one of those instruments that I, I, I gravitated towards. I, no real reason. I mean, I grew up loving Motley Crue and Tommy Lee, but I wouldn't say that that's the reason I picked up drums. It's just something that I was always air drumming, so I thought it would be the most fun instrument for me to play. Cool, cool. So when you when you started playing at 21, was um who what was the band that you were initially playing with? Was Lynam the first one that you guys you played yeah, with? Lynam was the second. I mean, Lynam was the second <laughs> real band I had. I, I, my first band, I, it wasn't even a real band. It's just guys jamming. At 21, and you, you get your first instrument. The good thing about it is you don't know how awful you are, and that's what keeps you going. <laughs> because if you if you sit right. back and listen to yourself. Like, it's always hard to listen to yourself and go back years later and listen to some of those early recordings. You're like, oh, my God, thank God, goodness, I didn't I didn't know how bad I was back then or I'd have never continued playing. Right. You're a little delusional at the time, but that's a good thing because, like you said, yeah, you would right. continue down this road. <laughs> yeah, I was I was really um, heavily, when I, first, when I first started playing music, I was heavily into Pearl Jam, fanatically into Pearl Jam and uh the whole grunge right. scene, and, and you know that that had just when I got my drum set, they had kind of taken over that '80s sound, and I was really into them. Now, now I like all that kind of music. I like '90s music. I like '80s. I like I like some current stuff. There's not much current stuff I like, but some of it. 
Cool, cool. So then, so as you said, 21, you're kind of dabbling in some music with your first project. And I just want to incorporate some of the stuff also that I, you know, that I read about you guys when I was doing some research. Okay. So before you guys became Lynam, was it true that there was a band that was signed to Atlantic titled Mars Electric? And, and were you in that, or was that... No, um, I met. I actually met Jacob the day after they broke up. They were uh, that's Jacob's old band, and they were uh, they were they were they had a few record deals. It wasn't just Atlantic. I think they they got dropped as many times as we've been dropped from record labels. But I actually met Jacob the day after the day after they broke up, and I've known about them because they were a big band in Birmingham and they were selling out thousand seaters in Birmingham. So I knew about them, but I had just never met him or never even really listened to their music. I just heard about them. And so I didn't discover their, their, their catalog, which is only two, two CDs, but I didn't really discover it until after I met Jacob. The day after I met him, we played our first gig together, which was February 28, 2001. Wow. And how did you, I'm sorry. How did you, how did you meet Jacob? I met him at a, uh, it's so ironic. It's crazy how we met. We met, the guy who's our bass player now, Mark, he was playing in another mm-hmm. band, and we both knew this band, and this band needed two friends of theirs to run the door um, because this club had a back door entrance and a front door entrance, and they had to stick somebody on each one because people would try and sneak in the other to try and get in free. And <laughs> so it was right. our job to <clears throat> take up money, and I had never met him, and I shook his hand and met him, and I said, man, you play music? And he's like, yeah, I play in Mars Electric. And I was like, oh, I've heard you. I'm so naive. Oh, yeah, I've heard of you guys. I'm like, he probably thought, I, well, I hope you have. We've really accomplished a lot from, to be a band <laughs> from Birmingham. I hope you've heard, heard of us. But uh, I said, I got a gig tomorrow night. It pays 100 bucks. You want to come play it? He said, yep. I've been dropped from my label. I need money. Let's go do it. And so, I mean, it, it took about, within two to three months, we were playing six, seven days a week. Some some weeks we do eight shows a week. We do two on Saturday and one every other day. So wow. we started out busier busier than we've ever toured in our lives. That's crazy. That's great. And at the time, you guys were a three piece, correct? Is that what I read? We started out as a three piece. Then we moved to a four piece for mm-hmm. I don't know about a year and a half year. And uh, we went back to three. We've been a three-piece for a majority of our career. It wasn't until recently. Okay. Jacob, you know, he, he'll probably get into this in a minute, but Jacob played with Stephen Adler, Guns N' Roses. And, right. Uh, when when their tour got messed up, really Lonnie had nowhere to go. He didn't have another band to go to, and we enjoyed him so much. We are like, man, we'll just make room for you in our band. You can do something. We've that's got a lot awesome. of guitars going on. Yeah, so that's how he ended up in the band, and, we were a three-piece up until then, and we were kind of always, like, pro three-piece. And we were to add on people before that, but they just, I guess none of them fit personality-wise. You wouldn't believe what a good personality, how far that goes in the band as far as hiring somebody. Oh, no. Believe <laughs> me, David. We could have a conversation. Maybe we could write a book together. I was in and out of, again, I don't do it like you guys do it, but... I was trying for several years to put, you know, a live band together. And being a clinical psychologist, you're right. That that was usually the deal breaker for me is just you can't find people to work with or the personalities are just crazy. Oh, I I know what you're talking about. It can be insane. It's like another marriage. It's it's like well, it's like it's like yeah, another marriage when you're in a band with somebody. Exactly. It's like a marriage that you have to work on. Yeah, and I mean finding people again personality that that fit with everyone and clicks but you know people that are motivated and persevere and have the same goals and the direction and you know finding that package is just it's very complicated so that's awesome that you finding guys, somebody you know, sober is really tough too if, you, if you've ever gone searching <laughs> for a musician it's really tough to find a sober one every day you know right yeah yeah the substance abuse is a huge thing too and it's a shame because my experience has been the more talented the individual is, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, the crazier and the more complicated they can be. So it, it's Absolutely. just sometimes with a great personality, it's like, why can't your playing be up to the caliber that I need it to be? You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, those are usually so some creative was, people if you can get them focused. Right, right. So, no, I, I, I probably would have been through but It's all funny when I was for.
Okay, sorry about that. It looks like I got dropped now. Maybe, I don't know That's what's okay. going on. I got sorry you. about that. I got you. Okay, so we'll just, just, just sit there if I'm not there, and I'll do the same. If you're not there, I can always, you know, go to a break <laughs> yeah. and play a song. <laughs> so I apologize. But this is, you know what, this is a good analogy to how a band works because you have to deal with, you know, things that kind of crop up and, and how you work around it, and you know what I mean? <laughs> like every band fights, there's no doubt about it. Like you can, you can look at U2, which is just the biggest exception, um, like, you look at you 2 and they have all original members. And I know they fight like cats and dogs, like, behind closed doors. You'll never see it. But I just know from being in the band, even one that gets along as well as we do, we still have arguments about stuff. And, as we, you know, we certainly did in the past 10 years. But as you get older in the band, it gets just learn how you learn how to tolerate everybody's quirkiness and you realize the greater good is served by you have to learn about winning battles or, or losing battles and winning the war. Right. And not so much about every every argument being a make-or-break deal. So. Right. And like you said, making sure you guys will all have the same game plan and goal in mind. And, you know, if that's what you want to work towards, then, you know, you work around some of the differences that you have when it comes to conflicts and not agreeing on the same thing. So, right, exactly. But, um, this is but a change of subject. Were... I, this is a change of subject real quick, but... I was just reading online right now that uh, Robin Williams, they just found him dead. He died from an apparent suicide this morning. Robin Williams, the actor? The actor, yeah, comedian. Yeah, I had no idea. My wife just showed it to me on the phone while I was talking to you. I was like, oh, my gosh. Awful. That's crazy. Oh, my. Wow. That's really sad if that's what, what what it was. I mean, again, here, you know, we're talking about, again, people that are successful and, and you think they have you know, everything in the palm of their hands, but you never know personally what they're dealing with. Oh, that's really that, sad. That's one thing that's true. You can't can't let people surprise you. That's just insane. Right. right. Oh, gosh, I'll have to look into that later just to see what You'll that's You'll see about. it on your news feed if you log online because it is littered up on Facebook right now. Everybody's posting about it. That's crazy. Oh, that's sad. Very sad. Especially when you see so I'm trying to think people. if I have any more good news for you. <laughs> now that I've killed the fun <laughs> No, you're doing great. I like when interviews can be, you know, a little free-flowing, but then I'll also, you know, some structure to it, too. So that's no problem if you want to go off the cuff a little bit. All right, so let's do this. Why don't we, because um, I want to come back and talk about, you know, all the albums you guys have had out, but I want to fit at least two songs in tonight. So let's play uh, the first track, um, the title track, actually, Halfway to Hell, and let's check that out. I read that often. You don't like to, you know, talk about what the meaning of songs are. It was a couple of articles where you were kind of like, yeah, yeah you can't really we, comment on that. <laughs> honest to God, I don't like to talk about it because I have no idea what they're about. Jacob doesn't tell me. <laughs> but he knows what they're about, and he doesn't tell people oftentimes because everybody develops their own interpretation. And it would be awful if somebody's like, this it's my song, it speaks to me, and it's about this, it reminds me of my dad, and then you come to find out it's something totally different, and then it ruins the meaning for the song, right. and it just, okay. it just it, leaving it open to interpretation always uh, for the better. Okay, so then that's, that's what we'll do. So let's do this, then. We're going to put you on hold, and we'll let the okay. audience know that this song is open to interpretation. You can apply it to, <laughs> you know, how you see fit in your life, and uh, we'll check out Halfway to Hell. And then I'll bring you back on right after it's over, okay? Sounds great. Okay, hold on. All right, everyone, again, you're listening to David Lynham. I have the band name correct now. From uh, the hard rock band Lynham, we're going to check out their title track, Halfway to Hell. Please pick up a copy of their album. It is out right now. And I keep calling it an album. I know it's an EP, but uh, it's six songs, and it's it's great material that these guys have. So uh, pick it up on iTunes, Amazon, all the digital sites, and visit them at lineofmusic.com. We'll be back in a moment.
right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Ellman Show. Again, Lynam's title track off of their album, Halfway to Hell. It's an amazing, amazing album. You guys got to check it out. Go to iTunes, go to Amazon Music, and download it. Visit them at linamusic.com. I'm going to be in people's iPod. All right, David. Uh, I just brought you back yeah. on now. What would you say? Oh, gosh. I said, oh, they can steal it. We don't care. We just want to be on, in people's iPod. They can buy it or steal it. We Aww. just want to be in there. We don't even care. Yeah, Look, but go ahead. That's one thing go I ahead. want to talk about. That music is free. Music is free now. And that's just part of it. And, ba- and bands and artists that can't wrap their head around that look like dinosaurs. There's nothing you can do to stop it. If you just look foolish, bands like that aren't putting their stuff on Spotify, bands that don't put their stuff on iTunes. You just look like an old-ass dinosaur who's not with the times, and it's just silly. You're going to make your money off of live uh, shows. You're not recouping things unless you can do it through selling T-shirts, and that's just part of it. So many artists out there that grew up, you know, some of those 80s artists are really bad about it. Uh, about holding on to their their catalog and not putting it on on certain mediums of music, when really they don't realize, realize how bad they're hurting themselves by not doing that. They could they could bump attendance to all of their shows if they were on some of these platforms that distribute music uh, like Spotify and and uh, oh, I can't remember the other one. What's the other one everybody uses? At any rate. Uh, I know what you're talking about, right? Yeah, Pandora. So anyway, just artists that don't do that really look silly. In, in the, to the younger generation, they, they, I guess maybe they are respected by their peers, but to the younger generation, they just look at them and think, God, how silly. You don't want me to listen to your music because I'm not going to go buy it. You, right. you know, the only way to turn a younger generation on to your music is by putting it on one of those platforms. There's just a few artists that won't do it. It looks silly. But anyway, that was my rant. I'm, all, I'm over with. There you go. No, I think, I think, but I think what you're talking about is unfortunately, like when you use the word dinosaur, you know, you, you get, you're talking about people, unfortunately, that are, you know, kind of stuck in their ways and they're closed-minded. And like you said, the, the music industry is very different today than it was, you know, 10 to 15 years ago. Um, and you have to be flexible and you have to learn, like you said, to do what you can to get the music out there and be strategic if you're not going to make money off of music then like you said touring merchandise and stuff like that yeah no I, I i agree with you i understand where you're coming from with that definitely so let's talk a little bit about give us some of the history on you guys um you know you would release numerous albums in the past you guys have had some you know major hit singles out there with um save my soul which was my introduction to you guys when i heard you on a serious xm octane a while back and, and that's why i learned about Lynam. Um, of course, you've had Lindsay Says, Porn Star, and, uh, and Tannis, which was another one of your great songs. Um, so talk a little bit about the ground in terms of your albums that you had out, uh, being signed to labels, and, and where you guys currently are going with this new album. I'm sorry. We really didn't. For uh, some reason. No, that's okay. That's okay. We did this last album. We put it out ourselves, and we really didn't put together that big of a uh, radio campaign on it. We just put out this album. We were we were essentially done putting out music, and we started bumping into a lot of our idols growing up, uh, like Tom Kiefer from Cinderella and, and bands like that, and they were telling us how big a fan they were of, of our band. We didn't even know they knew who we were. They're like, oh, yeah, I can show you my iPod. And we just got a lot of that from people that we really respected, and they showed the iPod most played artists, and, and we'd be there, and we were like, man, maybe we shouldn't quit making music. So we decided to put out an EP, and we were going to put out a whole album. It just takes so long to to record music now for us because our producer that we use uh, is always so busy. We just couldn't find time to get in the studio when he was free. Because we play all the time, we never stop touring. That's how we make our music. I mean, make our money. So it took forever. We we're going to do it full length, but we're like, you know what? We've got six songs done. Let's just go ahead and put out an EP to finish it later. Because we've already starved our fans for music since 2008. It's been the last time we put out a, a 
full-length right. album studio effort. I mean, we put out a live album a couple of years ago, but that was just live versions of songs on, on past albums. So that's, um, you know, we've been, we've had record deals. We've, we've had, we've been dropped. It's just part of it. We've been dropped so many times, it really doesn't even bum us out. You know, because you get signed to a record deal and you get put in a lot of debt. They spend money on you on radio campaigns and, Back in the day, they would even give you tour support, and they're, of course, keeping tabs on everything they give you because you got to recoup it before you start making money. So we would build up a bunch of debt and then just hope they dropped us at that point because obviously the album cycle was done, and we didn't, you know, regardless of the success we had, and and we didn't recoup enough money to want them wanting to do another album. So we're kind of stuck in limbo, and they would inevitably call and, say that you guys are dropped and, but we've always been able to pick up other record deals we're just kind of tired of the on this EP we were kind of tired of the roller coaster we decided to put it out ourselves and and not worry about radio and not write songs for radio we just write songs that we thought you know us and our fans would like and that's kind of what we did and it, right. it sold it sold pretty well you know in this day and age, it's day and age it, it sold pretty well we were pretty happy with right. it we unwrapped we released our video and it got over a hundred thousand views in a few weeks. And so we were, you know, for a small potatoes band That's like awesome. us, we were excited with it. Well, I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't say you guys are small. I mean, you you put out six prior albums, and I mean, you put out some great stuff. And this, you know, this stuff is just as good as anything else you've put out there. When you talk about just, just to digress for a second, when you talk about incurring debt with the labels and that type of stuff, when hypothetically when they drop you and you have debt, are you required to pay that back, or can you, do you just they no? Just that's to what dropping you, you mean. Dropping you means wow. you're released from your you're released from your debt. Now you're not on that label anymore, but it's kind of like a release from. And and what they do is our debt wasn't so substantial that they wanted to keep us on to try and recoup it in another album. It was just kind of in that zone to where they. They could write it off as a tax write-off, and not, and not, and not. It wouldn't cripple the company. So we, we're kind of. Okay. That's what I mean gotcha. by small potatoes band. We set out to, to like take over the world with our music, and if anything short of that, we kind of feel like not achieving our goals. But we've been in the 13 years we've been together, we've been able to do a lot of cool stuff, a lot of fun tours, and cruises, and play with anybody you can think of. We've probably done at least one show with them. It's just—it's awesome. You know, success is just a relative term. Is what I'm trying right. to say. Right? No, it is. I mean, it is. You're right. It's how you define it and, and how you apply it to your life. Just to you know, as you're talking about the music, and I mean, you guys have been doing this full time. Was there any moment where you guys thought, you know, this this isn't going to work out, or we need to reconsider doing something else? Or no, that was never that was never part of. Well, the, uh, we've always we've always said if you if you create a backup plan, you'll probably fall back on it. So we've never had a backup plan. Right. So either we survive on our music or we go homeless. And that's kind of the motto that we've abided by the entire time. And and now we all do different things. Everybody in the band has other income streams. Side projects. Uh, but it, okay. It, and it'll, it allows us to uh, it allows us to write and play what we want and do shows that we want. There's stuff. There's some shows we just can't make happen financially. We can't break even doing it, so we just don't do them. So we get to. We've been kind of picky here as of late. I think it's just because we're old mm-hmm. and ornery, but we uh, we pick and choose the shows <laughs> we want to go play and, and do things that kind of. We're we're lucky to be able to do that. Not all bands can do that. Some bands have to eat crap okay. and go do shows that they don't want to do. But we're lucky. Right. When- that is great that you guys have that option. When you say you have different types of income, what are you guys doing? Are you, you know, do you have businesses on the side? Are you involved in producing? Oh, yeah. What else do you? I own, I own a landscape company, and uh, and oh, I've wow. got you know I've got somebody that can run it while I'm out doing shows, and and uh, my bass player, my bass player has a uh, he has a construction company. He does interior wood trimming. And he, his company wow. is called Guns and Ho- it's called Guns and Hoses, which is pretty fun. <laughs> That's awesome. His logo okay. is like an air gun and all these air hoses that he uses when, when putting up trim. It's, it's funny. And Jacob, Jacob has all kinds of other income streams. I don't even know half of them. He's got rental houses. And he's got 
four buses he owns. He's got. That's great. He, 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 I think he works with Doug at New Ocean Media and stuff. So he's got all kinds of stuff he does. No, that's you know, and I think it's important. It's cool to hear you guys talk about that because you know, usually when people say income streams, you know, they're involved in maybe just you know they they, they produce on the side or they're mixing or things like that. And I think people do get this in their head that if you want to do this full time, that's all you can do is music. So it's really cool to see you guys talking about. You know, you have legitimate side businesses that are outside the music. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, and that allows us to, to – they're all flexible jobs that we can go do shows if we right. need to, but it just gives us the freedom to pick and choose what we want to do, be picky. Really cool. So, um, yeah, so with, so with this when, album, this album came out – oh, go ahead. Uh, I just had a question. When you're when, – given that you're a psychologist, when you're ever interviewing people, do they feel like you're uh, – Judging their person, not judging, but like scoping them out and diagnosing them while you're doing an interview. <laughs> no, no, you know it's cool, especially musicians. You guys are great. Um, you know, you guys usually have a lot of fun. You know, people might joke around a little bit, but no, I've never. I've done like, gosh, I've done so many interviews now. I've been doing this show for three years. I can't believe it's been that long. And no, everyone's been really cool. They might ask some questions, and like I said in the beginning of the show, the show isn't for therapy or things like that. Um, but we do talk about <laughs> educational things. So if people bring up a question, you know, and I can do some kind of educational format, I definitely like to incorporate that stuff. But um, right. do you feel like that? No, no, no. <laughs> I just wondered because I heard <laughs> leading into the interview, you, you kind of uh, frequent it with uh, what's, what your profession is or what you, you know, that you're a psychologist, but that's not what this is going to be about. But it made me start thinking, oh, great, I better be careful with these answers. You can diagnose me. No, no, I, no, personally, Dave, Dave, I do it personally because of my profession. Just like you guys have your landscaping business and you right. things on the side, that's my professional career. So I just put it out almost as a disclaimer that, you know, hey, this is just to mention, this is, I am a clinical psychologist. I also work in forensics. Um, and, you know, my, I do use my interviewing skills, but my show isn't, you know, this isn't a Dr. Phil show. This isn't a, a pop psychology type of drama thing. You know what I mean? I find that stuff interesting, but I take my profession seriously, so I don't want to put myself, you know, in a position to characterize myself as something like, I don't want to say like that, but you know what I'm saying. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah, so like I said, we do educational stuff sometimes on the show, but no, I'm not analyzing you right now. And even if I am, I'm not, not going to tell you. I'm just joking. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not worried. Um, no, I've, got, I've got my stuff together. I'm not that worried about it, but I just wondered if, no, you, no, if, you, ever, if you get halfway through an interview and you're like, hey, you should really come see me on the side. You need some help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, there's been some very entertaining, not necessarily like craziness on the air, but just personality dynamics where for, I'll give you an example without giving names away, but I interviewed a pretty big band at one point, was so excited to bring this band on the air, and literally like 20 minutes into the show, the person was sending me a private Facebook message saying, uh, how much longer are we going to be? i got to get back to work. And, David, I put so much effort and time into the interview. I mean, I, I was – and it was so funny because I saw some comments that people left after the interview that said it was the best interview they've ever heard with this band. But I was so disappointed because I was like, really? Like, you're that narcissistic? And, yeah, I'm not serious. Like, I'm pain. I know – you know what I mean? Just like you said, you, you call yourself right. a, a lower-level band, but you're not. But same thing with me. I start from the ground up. You know, I've really kind of built my, my, my show up and stuff like that. But, again, I'm not some, like, huge major show. I know that, you know. But mm-hmm. I almost felt like that's how the person perceived it. And it was kind of like, all right, let's get through this thing. You know, I'm just kind of doing this as this extra side thing to get a little more publicity. Um, so it was disappointing. So was I analyzing that person? Absolutely. I was like, oh, my God. I, I, I mean, I could pinpoint that person in a second. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't do it on the air. Um, so we're, we're digressing. I know, I know that New Ocean has had bands before that like uh, just will not do them. That, that are paying the ass to get to do interviews when they had to do. I mean, I know with that with Steven Adler, it was kind of he's a guy that would ramble and talk. It's like the DJ would lose control of the interview if they didn't right. really <laughs> stay on top of things. And like Steven will just start rambling off about something and go into a tangent. Before you know it, there's Two listeners sticking around, listen to it. Diehard listeners, right. diehard Guns N' Roses fans listening. So, you know, I think I think whatever every interview he did, they had to say, "Look, uh, try to stay on point. Uh, 
if he starts wandering, kind of get back control, pull the reins back, and get control of the interview. Right. He'll, he'll go off on a tangent. Right. Especially about Axel. They were like, please try and keep the conversation away from Axel. That, that's what, oh like, gosh. sets him off and sends him off on a tangent. Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've had I've had a few fair my show my own shows where right the person really was rambling and it was tough. It was especially when you're on a phone, you know, you're on the air, you're not on a face to face interview. It is tough to kind right, of right. You can't give right. them hand signals like, hey, cut it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like you said, it's tough. You're right. You're right. So, um, but yeah, no, interesting conversation. Very interesting. If you're interested yeah. in talking with me I, I love talking with you know different people and meeting new people you know just send me an email we could talk sometime off the air it would be cool um mm-hmm. all right so getting back to your album though so talk a little about the producer um jason elgin because i had read that you know this is basically the only producer you guys have have worked with and i think it was interesting that you said just finding the time to coordinate schedules he seems to be a huge you know a huge player so to speak in all of your music he is. We always called him, like when we were three-piece, we called him our fourth band member. He he was pretty good at whipped cream and a turd, I mean, dealing with my drum tracks. He, he The first album we recorded with him, he made me cry, like literally start bawling crying. I felt so awful. I, I, I just swore that click track was speeding up and slowing down on me. Like, it, I just, in my head, there's no way that my meter is that bad, but that's that's what a studio and that's what recording it do for you. I mean, some people are not right. cut out to do it, but I vowed after that first album. And dude, he was—he's—he he is hard on drummers, really hard. Like I tell bands going in to record with him that you better do a lot of pre-production and you better have your songs tight, and you better be working with a, a click track weeks before you go in there because he does not play around and he does not like to sit there and do a hundred drum edits all through the night he wants a guy that bangs it out and if you can't do it what he'll do is he'll go okay that's great no that, no no that was great all right i'll, I'll uh i'll fix all this and uh call you tomorrow and then he brings in another drummer and has a drummer that can play and that sadly enough our first album oh my I, didn't gosh. Play all, I didn't even play all the drums on it there we had to bring a guy in and, and that's what motivated me to get better, and never, ever have to right. do that again. That was so humiliating. Oh, but like you said, you were able to reframe it. This is a psychology term. You know, that experience where, you know, although he got you really upset, you also said to yourself, you know what, I want to become a better drummer, and if I'm going to be doing it the way he wants it done, I'm really going to have to put my effort in and, and learn how to do it. So, you know, you were able to do that, which is great. He would be a hilarious interview to interview him about tracking David Lynham's drums. He would be like, oh, oh, how long do you have to talk about this? Because I've got stories Because <laughs> he's the kind of guy, see, when you track drums at his studio, he's upstairs, you're downstairs in a basement, um, and there's no face-to-face. Like, you can't see anybody. But you do a take, and you're like, your confidence, I mean, really, confidence plays a huge key in recording. If you're confident, mm-hmm. you can go in there and knock it out. But I was never confident just because of my first dealings with him and when I was so humiliated. And he was just, like, laughing at me. And, like, he thought I had thick skin, and I do now. But, like, at that mm-hmm. point in time, I did not have thick skin about my drumming. I was really humiliated about it. But you're you're downstairs in a basement. He's upstairs, and you do a take. And you're like, you know, that thought that was pretty solid. And then you hear the talk back through your headphones come on. And you hear him just sigh for a second and go, what'd you think? And so that's your point. You have to make the call. Well, I thought it was pretty good. Well, why don't you try right. it one more time? Because he obviously doesn't agree that it was a good day. But he used to always oh, do no. that. Or I'd hear the talk back mic cut on, and I'd hear, them all la- I'd hear a bunch of people laughing in the background. And I'd be like, I hope somebody <laughs> told a joke up there, and it says you are not laughing over that take that I just did. And he said, well, do you want me to lie to you? Or do you want me to taste? <laughs> so recording is always uh, – uh, I wish we would record ourselves recording, like video it, because there's tons of funny moments of me tracking drums, and he's just a constant smartass. And, he, and when I do, right. when I do have, finally have a good take, it's never – great job, that was good. He's just like, okay, let's move on to the next one. Um, we'll see if I can repair that and make it work for the album. And this is 
constant. He'll never. I don't think he'll ever pat me on the back and go, you know what? You're a damn good drummer now. He's just constantly got to break my ball. Yeah, hey, but, but I'll I tell you this: he, 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 it's a good. Go it's a good. He's a great producer. Really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, he must be for you guys to stick with him that long. You know what I mean? And do as much as he's done with them. So that's that's great. Yeah. It's really great. So let's do this. I want to fit another single in. Um, you want to? Let's do cold because I know you guys have a video out for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We recorded that video in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, cool. And again, we won't get into symbolism or meaning of the song because it's open to interpretation. That's what that's the because direction. Because I don't you know. know. <laughs> and, that and you don't know, but, know. But, right. Right, but you don't have to say that. We're just going to say that it's it's open to interpretation. So um, let's okay. do that, David. I'm going to put you on hold again. We'll check out Colds, and then we'll come back and. Uh, Talk about some other, you know, think about things that you guys like to do outside of music and, you know, some other interesting things okay. about yourself. If you have any upcoming shows, anything you want to plug, et cetera. Okay? Okay. All right. Hold on. All right, everyone, again, David Lynham from the Hard Rock Band Lynham. We're going to check out their single, Cold. They have a video out for this one, so definitely uh, Google it, YouTube it. Really cool video. Great song again. And uh, please pick up a copy of their album, Halfway to Hell, which is out now. So here we go. Check it out. Colds, and we'll be back in a moment.
right, everyone. Again, the single Cold from Lineham off of their new album slash EP, Halfway to Hell. So check it out. Pick up a copy and uh, download it today. Great stuff that these guys have out. Continue to support them and uh, keep them on this amazing musical journey with this awesome music that they keep putting out. All right. All right, David, you're back. Thank you for playing. Good, good. Very cool. Very cool stuff. Do you guys, real quick, do you have any of your songs out right now through any type of radio rotation off of the new album? Yeah, there's, yeah, there, you know, I, it, it's it's a lot of uh, markets that are not Arbitron rated, you know, right. as far as terrestrial radio goes. And well, you know, here lately on this last few months of touring, we'll do festivals and, and small towns and and then we'll get word a couple of weeks later that they've added the single. But it, it's not anything that really shows up it's on media-based because it's non-rated stations. But, yeah, there's there's some cool. random markets across the country that, that's playing cold. And, uh, we, we, Very cool. We, is, went, is, we went for ads on right. Octane, but they didn't, they didn't think that uh, the cold fit the format. So. Really? Uh, and this Octane. is Halfway to, Halfway to Hell is the single? Yeah, well, you know they didn't. That we we submitted, we followed up with Halfway to Hell, and they didn't add it either. It's a different program director that that's there since. Uh, wow. We had released Save My Soul. They used to add songs strictly, but if the program like if the PD liked it, he put it on, and if he didn't like it, he didn't put it on. It had nothing to do with anything else. Right. No, I know. Terrestrial radio is a big money game, but it's a uh, right. It used to operate that way, and I I don't know. Who runs it now? But it doesn't operate that way now. So. That's a shame because it was like I said. I mean, it's great hearing you guys on there. That's where I, that's where I find a lot of these bands that I have on my show. So I mean, I don't know. I personally think it fits the format, but who am I to say that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do so, we know? But, that's the best way. I'll right, say. right. Well, you guys just keep doing your thing, like you said. You kind of just you know you brush things off your shoulder, you move on. And, uh, yeah, so are you guys coming off a tour right now or just educate me in terms of where you guys are at with shows? We're doing some shows on the West Coast uh, in October. We're just, like, here and there. It's kind of random. Every couple of weeks we do uh, we do shows. And we have been a band okay. for the past few years that major, mainly plays in the Southeast. And once a year we'll go do a run outside the Southeast. But this summer has just been mostly dates outside of the southeast with random ones here in Alabama, but mostly, you know, we had a whole tour booked, and then some dates fell apart, which caused routing to fall apart, and it's, you can imagine how expensive it is to travel in a van. We, uh, when routing fell apart mm-hmm. on some of those dates, it, it caused us to can't have to cancel other ones because we couldn't make it work financially, and so we've, we've held together what we could, which it's just been a few weekends of festivals mixed with a couple of club shows, and we fly in and do those, and then fly back out. We're, we're home Sunday night with our family, so um, we've we've been lucky to be able to keep the dates we have this summer. We've still been able to play a lot of shows and play in front of a lot of people, but not near what cool. it was supposed to be. It was it was supposed to be a, a big, you know, every single night playing shows tour this summer, but it kind of fell through. So that's just the nature of the industry. Right. Right, right. Now, and, and all you guys, in addition, like you said, to having all these businesses on the side that you guys are engaged in, you all are married but families, too? Uh, no, just me and Jacob are, are the only ones married. Okay. And Lonnie and uh, Mark are not married. Mark, I think Mark's getting married. Uh, I, you know, he's one of those, won't get off the pot. He won't poop or get off the pot. <laughs> so he hasn't said a day yet, but he's supposed to be getting married at some point. But, right. Um, and Lonnie has, has a girlfriend he's been dating for, I don't know, 12, 13 years. So they just okay. may be anti-marriage, may be pro-dating and anti-marriage is what it seems like. Right. But but all you guys evidently have supportive significant others, and that's great. Yeah, you know, that's it's, it's hard to find four, four women that would uh, put up with us. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's great. That's really cool. So, what are some other interesting things about you guys outside of you know you got the music, you got the businesses? Any interesting um, I don't know things that you guys enjoy doing, like hobbies. Jacob's a songwriter. He do, he does songwriting like a he'll do private session songwriting for other other artists that you'll never hear about. Okay. I guess that's the way they do things. But uh, uh, 
I enjoy playing golf, which most people look at me and don't think I'm a golfer, but I enjoy playing golf. And, okay. And I, I, you know, as far as Mark goes, I, who knows what? He could be killing people and burying them under his porch <laughs> in his off time. I really don't know what he does. I don't I don't ever hear that. about oh, him doing funny. any – he never has any leisure time. That you know, I never hear of him, like, uh, going sailboating or – I don't know what he's into other than, other than work and playing in the band. I mean, that's why – Right. He he took a two year leave of absence. He was in that movie Rock of Ages. Uh, okay. With Tom Cruise. He's he's the bass player in that movie, uh, and he took off for a couple of years to do that, and then uh, tour with the musical that, that goes around the country, Rock of Ages. Okay. So he um, did that. That's so, cool. Yeah, you can see him every uh, if you watch Rock of Ages. Every time you see Tom Cruise playing live, Mark is right there playing bass right beside him. Wow! Thank really? God they didn't give him right. any speaking roles. He sounds like the he, he, like he sounds Alabama through and through. There's no way they would have given him a speaking <laughs> role in that movie. Right. And what about um? What about Lonnie? Any other interesting things about him in terms of hobbies? He is a cartoonist. He really? He's a cartoon. Yeah, he's a very good cartoonist. Wow. And, uh, okay. He actually does some work with Hilton Hotels with doing their promo video, like he. He has a cush, cush job that they let him go. They think it's so cool that he's in a band, and they they totally pay him. But when he goes on tour and plays shows, he can stay as gone as long as he wants, and they just think it's so neat, which is weird for a company in Los Angeles. You would think that would be a common right. situation, that their employees are pursuing some kind of interest in the arts and that they you know, have to schedule, they have to split in half, but... They they just like you would expect that out of a company in Alabama. They'd be like, You mean you play in a band and y'all got a tour? Well go go play shows, we'll pay you. That's so cool. <laughs> That's the way his bosses treat him back there. They let him we'll be gone for two or wow. three weeks at a time and they don't care at all. That's great. Well, you guys got some really cool stuff going on, you know? I mean, in addition to being very talented musicians who are, you know, excellent songwriters and have awesome music out there. you got some really cool stuff going on on the side, too, which is great. Yeah, we make a living. We squeak on by. Every, I mean, I, I feel certain a lot of artists you hear on Octane are probably doing something else to supplement their income. It's just, in this day and age, you're, you're, if you want, I mean, you, if you want to live on the road, like the Pop Evil guys do, they stay out on the road. They don't make a ton of money, but they don't have to because they, they keep themselves out on the road, and they don't have anything going on back in Michigan. And right. So while they're out playing, they're just living the dream. I mean, if you look, if you grew up in Detroit, Michigan, getting out of that city would probably be priority number one. If the way it looks <laughs> right. from outside the city is is representative oh. of the way it really is. Okay. Yeah, but like you said, I think I think it's I think it's a mixed bag because just reflecting back on people I've interviewed, I mean. You know, sometimes people are in that kind of camp where it's like, nope, if you do music, you got to put 100% into this. You can't have anything on the side. Or, you know, so I think it's, I don't know, I think it's it's very different for each each band and person. Most of the people I've interviewed, you know, if they do stuff, maybe they're producing on the side or doing some writing and things like that. But I don't really know about many people who have businesses and, and things like what you guys are doing. You know, unless unless yeah. they have their own production company or stuff like that. So, oh, look, I don't cool. enjoy I don't enjoy cutting grass and I don't enjoy landscaping. No, I try get, but I try and get my employees to do it, but I, I do own the company. Right, but like you said, I think you're realistic too, and I think that's something in this day and age, which is how different the industry is, and what you've talked about, you know, since the beginning of the interview, is that I don't think it's a bad thing to have something else on the side in case, God forbid, you know. Things just don't end well, up going I mean, away. I, you... I have a kid too, so that, I mean, me and my wife have a kid, so that that changed the okay. whole ball game of a backup right. plan. And it wasn't even really right. a backup plan. I just had to have something to su- supplement my income besides music, because I I want to be able to provide right. for him. And sure, that's he's busy and again, Mickey that's Mouse and... right. He's watching Mickey, Mickey Mouse behind me right now in the car. So down the Aww, how old is he? Three. Aw, well, congratulations. He's being so good for the interview that Daddy's doing. I'm really shocked that you... Yeah, I haven't heard anything. <laughs> you have, you have no great. idea how lucky you are. 
<laughs> well, we've had our own technical difficulties, David, but we, we've made it through it, and you've done an excellent job, and it's, you know, really a pleasure interviewing you and supporting the band, and you guys are always welcome back on the show when you have some more music, so, you know, just keep well, that in thanks, mind. thanks, Carrie. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the different questions, because like, everything else seems to be the same ten questions everywhere we get interviewed, so it was nice. It was a breath of fresh air to get, to have different questions. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, and that's the one compliment that seems to be consistent with me, so I very much value and appreciate the people that see the effort I put into my interviews, so it's really cool. Well, so why don't we do this? Give um, plug some of your websites and, you know, Twitter, et cetera, where people can find you, and um, as I said, it's a pleasure having you on. I want to wish you guys much continued success, and you're always welcome back. Yep. We're Lionel Music on all the social networks, and uh, uh, com is our website, so sometimes hard to remember Lynam, L-Y-N-A-M-S-U-C-K-S.com is our website. We take ourselves really serious, as you can tell. Well, and I apologize, because I've been saying LynamMusic.com. Well, it's both. Is that it's correct, both. too? A, but, yeah, that oh, it's is both. both. Okay, I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of them has a redirect on them, so you can type in LynamSucks.com or Lynam Music. It's going to take you to the same okay. website. Okay, cool. No, because I did see the Lynam Sucks in some of the earlier interviews, and then I thought over time, okay, you feel more confident about yourselves. You guys, you know, self-esteem's improving, <laughs> so then I thought you changed it to line of music. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's so. still line of suck. Oh, well, you guys got a great sense of humor, but, again, uh, you guys are far from a band that's that's not good, so congratulations to everything. Thank you. I appreciate the interview. All right. Okay, great. And, uh, yeah, let's definitely, you know, if you want to keep in touch for any reason, you, you have my email and stuff. So it was a pleasure, David. Great. Thank you again. Okay. Thanks so much, David. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye. All right, everyone, again, David Lynham from the amazing rock band Lynham. Be sure to check these guys out, and you can uh, pick up a copy of their album, that is out right now, titled Halfway to Hell, we played two tracks off of it tonight. If for some reason you tuned in late, um, please, you can go to the podcast when it's over and download it. Uh, David and I both apologize. There were some technical difficulties along the way, but you know what? In this day and age, in terms of how you have to manage things, you just strategically go with the flow. And uh, he did a great job with the interview and really found some cool and interesting stuff out, not just about him, but about the band in general. So I hope you guys check out the interview, and please uh, spread the word and share it. If you follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman, I will follow you. I definitely like to keep in touch with everyone. Also, become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook, and that's where you can see all of my upcoming events and interviews. And lastly, uh, please befriend me on Facebook uh, by going to Carrie Edelman. I have two pages. One of them is kind of maxed out. It, it seems to, you know, it loses a couple here and there, but if you find the one that's maxed out, um, definitely find the other one because I love to keep in touch with people personally. So thank you so much again for the support and for tuning into the show. We will be having some um, other interviews coming up in the next few weeks and in the process of uh, finalizing some of the bookings. So again, thanks for the support, everyone, and have a great night.